Today is the 3rd of June, 2022. Now we have the opportunity to set our hearts on listening to the Dhamma. And this Dhamma, we can study it through the texts, the suttas, the vinaya, the abhidhamma, and this we call study, pariyati, studying the Dhamma in order to know the path of practice. We can also study the history of the Buddha's dispensation, the teachings of the Buddha, and the disciples of the Buddha, the bhikkhus, novices, the bhikkhunis, the lay male disciples, lay female disciples. There are many interesting histories and we study, and we practice, and we train our hearts. For instance, we listen to the Dhamma of the Buddha, and it's possible we can then succeed to realize the paths and fruits of Nibbana. But if our parami is not ready yet, and we don't see the paths and fruits, then we set our hearts to be well established in being a good person, to be firmly established in virtue, to build our spiritual virtues, and then in the end we can see the Dhamma for ourselves. So when we study the suttas in Pali, we see in the Buddha's time there were many languages, but Pali language was a commonly spoken language, a uh, language that was popular in many areas. Just like now, English is a common language throughout the world. So we study this, then we practice the Dhamma. Whether we're in the forest or the mountains, it can be a place that's quiet and peaceful. Because if we're around many people, this can lead our hearts to be agitated. And our minds can give rise to doubt, seeing the faults in others, seeing just the things that they do wrong or that they do badly. Venerable Ajahn Chah gave a simile for this. Said that for ourselves we're carrying our thoughts, our khandas, our bodies and our minds. And this is a heavy burden to carry. But then when we look at others in that way, then we end up carrying them as well. And that's even heavier. And Mupucha taught that this is wrong. This is something that an unintelligent person does, to see the faults in others, to harm or hurt others. So in our practice, we strive to have right intention, sama sankapo, and to have right view as well. Not to hurt, not to harm, not to have greed. This is right intention. So we study the text, and we can study about anger, what are greed, hatred and delusion, what are they like. But just studying like this, we're not able to abandon them. We may study that anger is like this, these are the drawbacks of anger, the way to address and cure anger is to do loving kindness, and so on, or contemplating the body as the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water, contemplating asubha, the not beautiful aspects of the body, contemplating the 32 parts, 
in doing this we can succeed over the greed in the heart. We can contemplate to give rise to wisdom. Or we can contemplate that life must end in death, that old age, sickness and death are normal and natural. So this we know already. So we practice. And then when we practice rightly, practice according to Dhamma, then when the mind is ready, we're able to see the Dhamma for ourselves. But if we only study and we don't practice, then we might know intellectually, but we can't abandon the sense of self. We can't abandon our views and conceit. So we study a lot, then we cling, have a lot of attachment, then we suffer a lot. So study a lot, attach a lot, suffer a lot. And if we study only a little bit and cling to that as self and identify with that, then that's just another kilesa as well, another defilement. So we study, then we practice. We train our hearts and minds to give rise to the fruits of the practice. For example, we study about samadhi, this firm establishment, collectedness of mind. Then we train in samadhi to make the mind firm and collected. We practice and we chant and then we know the chanting in our own language or in various languages. And when we're chanting, sometimes wisdom arises. We see that the sound arises and ceases, arises and ceases. This is clear seeing, vipassana. This is seeing one of the six sense bases arise and cease. And this can be sound or it can be touch, taste, smell, sight, mental objects arising and ceasing. So these sounds contact the mind and they arise and cease. This is a result of practice to see this clearly, a fruit of practice. There was one time when I was younger in school and my teacher said that if you didn't set your heart on studying, you'd have a problem in your life for sure. And I listened to this teacher. I really set my heart to listen to this teaching. My mind wasn't wavering. And so this teaching that the teacher was giving, I understood it clearly. I could understand each word clearly. But then another time, an hour passed by, and I didn't know what the teacher was saying at all. It was just sound arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing. I didn't know that this was vipassana. And I asked others, what's, what's this all about? Does anyone else have this kind of experience? And no one had a similar experience. This is the mind that's still, and then is firm and intent to see arising and ceasing, which is possible. So some practitioners listen to Dhamma, and then having listened to Dhamma, they can understand it and then see arising and ceasing, see that sounds arise and cease. And this is Dhamma in itself, right then and there. We chant, we see the sound arise and cease. This is vipassana. So we don't need to doubt about this. This is a fruit of practice arising. So may you set your hearts on doing this. So we study like this. For instance, feeling tone, vedana. 
we know about this already. We know that it's not self according to the text. We know that sankharas, volitional formations, are not self. Memories and perceptions are not self. Sense consciousness is not self. But if we don't practice, then we'll cling to all of the mind and body as self. It's just only self all the time. So we practice to bring our minds to firm collectedness, to the peace of samadhi. Then we're able to see clearly, to see that the body degrades according to its nature. These four elements of earth, air, fire, and water change according to causes. They change all the time. And this change is something that we must encounter, we must meet with. So we know and see this, we see it clearly. This is seeing the Dhamma. And when the mind is gathered in samadhi, and we contemplate the body, and sometimes the mind gathered in samadhi already will think that there's no need to look at the body, that one can just only contemplate the mind alone and succeed to stream and tree, once returning, non-returning in arahantship. But then the great teacher says to look at the body, to look at these four elements, to contemplate right there in order to give rise to clear understanding and to reduce the delusion in the heart, to reduce the greed, aversion, and delusion. Because we're lost in this sense of the body as something beautiful, as the source of happiness and pleasure, as something that's permanent, as something that's self. And why is this? It's because when we tell the body to stand, tell it to sit, or walk, or lie down, or tell it to speak, then the body can do this. But we don't know that it, this relies on bodily systems that operate on their own. For instance, the various bodily systems like the eardrums and so on, they operate and fix themselves by themselves. The mind doesn't have to tell the body to fix the very many systems that exist in the body. It just does it by itself according to nature to keep the body in balance, to keep it functioning. And so may you May you practice and train to make your samadhi balanced as well. To make the samadhi firm, because if there's no samadhi, then the mind just has busyness and agitation and irritation. And sometimes the mind has samadhi but lacks wisdom and can be stuck in that samadhi. But Dhamma practitioners should not be afraid of samadhi should not be afraid of getting stuck in samadhi, but instead practitioners should practice to get samadhi first. Because if one doesn't have samadhi, one can't control the kilesas. It's necessary to have the strength and energy of samadhi in order to control the kilesas, to suppress the five hindrances, to keep the five hindrances out of the mind. And then with the five hindrances absent, one can contemplate to see the body as something not beautiful, to see it degrading, to see that it's not a me, not a mine, not a being, not a self, to see this clearly. 
and to see the feelings in the body as well, the Vedana, to see that clearly. To see that feeling is just feeling. Before there was no feeling, then the feeling arises, and then it ceases. And the mind can get lost in this, proliferate based on that. We see that all these conditioned formations, all these sankharas, the mind clings to them, clings to sankharas, clings to memories and perceptions, clings to vedana, clings to a sense consciousness, clings to it all as self, as me and mine, as a being, as a self. But with the cessation of the causes for these phenomena, they cease right there. Without a cause, the body and mind degrade and cease. And sometimes the mind proliferates about something wholesome or good. Sometimes proliferates about something unwholesome. But whether it's merit or demerit, the mind is lost in ignorance about it. And so this, this arises from proliferation. We don't see the true mind, the original mind. It's like water. We have some clear water and we put various colors into it, like red, green, yellow, blue, orange. And this is a proliferation. We mix the color into the water and the water turns whatever that color is. But when we separate out the color, the water returns to its original clear state. So the mind is just like that. These sense impressions come into the mind and there's proliferation. The mind clings to it as self. But if we're able to know the experiences of the senses in time, we can separate it out and see that all materiality and mentality, it's all not self, not a me, not a mine, not a you, not a yours. It's the same about speaking on Dhamma like I'm doing now. This is Dhamma proliferation, which is of a wholesome, meritorious type. We practice, we have mindfulness, samadhi, wisdom. These are Dhammas of a wholesome type <coughs> that are capable of destroying the ignorance in the heart. But these wholesome Dhammas, we can't cling to them all the same. We can say mindfulness is mine, samadhi is mine, wisdom is mine. They can destroy the kilesas, but this is just speaking according to convention. In truth, there's nothing there to be found. Whether it's merit or demerit or kilesa, it's all not self. And there's no one who destroys the kilesas. In truth, there's no one there who does that. It's just the Dhamma. It's just the Dhamma arising and then ceasing according to cause and condition. For instance, the Dhamma of Vedana, feeling. Feeling is just feeling. We have a feeling in the mind. For instance, that's wholesome. We proliferate about it. Then we can get lost in that as well. We see that greed, hatred and delusion are just greed, hatred and delusion. There's not a self to be found there. We practice not to cling to any of it as self. 
Because if we just cling to it as self, we don't see the true mind, the original mind. So we practice to abandon the sense of self, to see that the mind and body are not a me, not a mine. This is walking the path and practicing the four foundations of mindfulness. So we practice to have mindfulness. This is the path of practice. So we can know the texts, know the suttas. Then we have effort. We set our hearts on training and practicing to put the teachings into practice, to make our minds good and wholesome, to practice this dhamma continuously until we can understand it for ourselves. So may you have effort in this. May you have the five indriyas of faith, effort, mindfulness, collectedness, and wisdom, these five powers which bring the mind to the essence of the Dhamma. So may you do this merit, may you do merit to the fullest, practicing generosity, practicing virtue, and having effort in this. May you do merit to the utmost, to the fullest, to the point of wisdom, so may you all grow in Dhamma, know the Dhamma, and see the Dhamma. May you all grow in blessings.